Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Hope you are safe and warm as we uh, make our way through this polar vortex. And wow, some unbelievably cold temperatures around the country. So be careful, be safe. Coming up on our program today, we're going to talk with former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack. He's going to talk about how uh, when other countries get into trade deals with each other, how it impacts the United States. And being left out of those trade deals, where does that put us? He'll look at it especially from a dairy perspective. That's coming up on today's program. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, will join us. He wants to make sure that uh, Congress uh, really holds Andrew Wheeler accountable for certain actions that he may or may not take when it comes to the renewable fuel standard and granting uh, small refinery exemptions to the RFS and that he is calling the American Coalition for Ethanol calling for some tough questioning of Andrew Wheeler on some of those issues. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And we're going to learn today about a new green alternative to fossil fuel products, a corn oil based product that's being used by construction companies across the country to modify or rejuvenate asphalt on roads. So that's coming up a little bit later on on today's program as well. But we're going to start things off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report, checking in on the news. Jerry, how are you? Well, I'm fine. It's 28 degrees above zero here in Washington, and we think that's cold. (laughs) But I just looked up the temperature in my hometown of Bismarck, North Dakota, and it's 31 below zero without the wind chill. So I suppose I have to feel pretty good. Well, you're right there in a place with plenty of hot air, right, in Washington, D.C., to keep you keep you warm, right? That is true. That is true. There's always, uh, you know, talk, talk, talk. Well, I'm headed to New Orleans for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention. I'll be broadcasting from there tomorrow and Friday. It's supposed to be warmer in New Orleans, so I'm uh, 60s are sounding pretty good right now, so hoping to get there later today. Well, let's talk about some things going on. Of course, a lot of focus, a lot of tension on uh, trade talks with China. What are you hearing? Well, uh, I'm hearing that they're not expecting anything anything big this week. That's what they uh, keep saying. Uh, there's pressure for China to agree to buy, you know, to go back to buying more soybeans. Uh, but, but you know, it's uh, it's pretty quiet. Uh, no, uh, as it often is with trade talks, nobody's uh, nobody's revealing uh, revealing very much. They just keep trying to express optimism. There may not be any big announcements, but just hopefully there won't be anything that looks like a setback. Uh, it needs to be a positive vibe, doesn't it? Well, that's right. And of course, there is the there has been the arrest of this uh, <clears throat> Chinese executive. And, and that's one of the main things that we're dealing with in trade right now is that I would say for the last 30 or 40 years, uh, other international concerns, politics and, and wars, etc., have not interfered very much with trade. But now we're back to more contentious relationships with our trading partners. And that changes the dynamic. That makes trade secondary to foreign policy. 
And so then it's harder to say that all these decisions are made totally on an economic basis. Well, also on the trade front, kind of one step forward, maybe one back when it comes to USMCA, the new NAFTA, uh, getting ready for a vote on that. There, it shows that there's still a lot to be done. Well, yes. Now, the, um, the International Trade Commission has announced that they're not going to be able to do their report by March 15th, which is when they were supposed to finish it. Uh, and Senator Grassley has said this is going to delay the uh, consideration of the of the agreement. So uh, I think we're we're in for some slow going on USMCA in comparison with what uh, farmers may have been hoping for. Now, meanwhile, Ways and Means ranking member Kevin Brady says that uh, many lawmakers won't back USMCA until the steel and aluminum tariffs against Canada and Mexico are dropped. Now, this is something that ag groups are certainly pushing for as well. Yes, and, and, and of course, um, <clears throat> it's particularly important with dairy because the, the dairy uh, industry is complaining that the, that the retaliatory tariffs are, cut, are cutting into their sales to Mexico, and, that, and also that there are good provisions regarding Canada, but it won't matter if they don't have the, um, if they don't get the steel and aluminum tariffs off and the retaliatory tariffs uh, in reaction to that. So these, getting these tariffs removed is, is quite the big deal, and it's really a little uh, hard to understand why the uh, Trump administration doesn't just remove them. They don't seem to serve any purpose anymore. So we'll see what happens there. That's probably going to be part of the negotiating as we start getting really into USMCA. We'll see what happens there. Uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, we're in this uh, three-week window uh, having the government back up and running, but still the possibility of it shutting down again and the border wall or barrier, whatever they want to call it, is still the, the big issue. Yes, I don't think anybody really wants to shut down the government. Certainly the Congress doesn't. I think even the Trump administration saw that they were getting uh, hurt, that President Trump's uh, approval rating was going down. Uh, even though, you know, there's a certain, there's a, you know, in, somewhere in the high 30s, uh, that's a, a group of people who are absolutely loyal to the president, and they don't give they don't give up on him. But overall, it was not it was not good. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up declaring this national emergency. But if he does that, of course, that's something that will end up in the courts, and probably no real action on the on the on the border wall for quite some time. You know, all these issues moving forward will come under the umbrella of a, the looming presidential election. seems like about half of Washington is running for, for president, and the other half probably we're expecting that may <laughs> declare between now and then. It just like, seems like everybody's running. Well, yes. Now, I'm, I'm getting very interested in this. I haven't noticed any of these candidates talking about agriculture yet, but that's something I, you know, I want to find out, and I think the, that the... Farmers in Iowa should be asking these Democratic candidates about their positions on agriculture. Um, we, you know, the, the, there had just hasn't been much uh, much about that uh, in the in the news reports that have come out from the visits to Iowa. And of course, it's really only in Iowa where agriculture gets discussed because farmers are in a more important constituency there. And uh, in these other states, people are asking about much broader issues.
Yeah, now's the time to get these candidates on the record on on some of these issues, that's for sure. All right, Jerry. Well, stay warm there in balmy D.C., and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, great. Always good to talk to you, Mike. Have a good time in New Orleans. All right, take care. Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. All right, so coming up next, Tom Vilsack, former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Very concerned that dairy, U.S. dairy exports, are going to be left behind with some of these other key markets around the the world going into their own uh, trade deals with other countries and the United States on the outside looking in. We will talk about that and uh, also get his thoughts on the China talks this week as well from a dairy perspective. That's coming up next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Are you thinking about buying medicine online? A search for online pharmacies yields more than 20 million results. But which ones can you trust? Medicines bought from unlicensed online pharmacies can be dangerous. You may get a fake drug, your condition may get worse, or you may experience a bad reaction. Don't put your health at risk. To learn how to find an online pharmacy that's safe and legal, visit FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food. Cha-ching. And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food. Cha-ching. So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. 
800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, happy to have with us the uh, former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and Tom Vilsack. Thank you for joining us, and uh, hope you're warm. Say, Mike, I just want to say thank you to you and to the team that's uh, allowing this broadcast to take place. You all had to get to work uh, in very dangerous and cold circumstances, and it makes me think about all those dairy farmers and producers out there who are working in this incredibly cold weather uh, to make sure that we have an uninterrupted supply of food. So hats off to all those guys and gals who are working out there today and, and yeah, we uh, salute them as well and um, and urge them to be careful. And, you know, I always think about that with all the critics of animal agriculture and uh, these groups, these activist groups that uh, complain that animals aren't taken care of. They ought to be on those livestock operations, those dairy farms this morning, right, today, uh, <laughs> throughout the day and through the night, and see how, how, how hard these producers work to take care of those animals. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's talk trade. I mean, we know that trade talks with China this week in Washington, D.C., but I know you have some information concerning other markets, such as Japan. Uh, when these when these countries enter into other trade agreements with other countries and we're left on the outside, uh, where does that leave the U.S., especially from your perspective when it comes to dairy exports? Well, I tell you, Mike, we were deeply concerned about the fact that Japan entered into a free trade agreement with the European Union and also was part of the new comprehensive and progressive uh, TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, which left out the United States. Uh, The result is that our competitors in dairy now have significant tariff reductions. And over the next five to ten years, we're going to see a a depression of our market, uh, our fourth largest market, to the tune of potentially $1.3 billion of lost opportunity uh, if we don't get a level playing field. And while the administration has a lot on its plate in terms of trade, uh, ratification of the USMC, you mentioned, they also have to focus on Japan, and they have to get us a level playing field because this is an area where we're going to see significant growth uh, in dairy consumption in Japan, and we want to be part of uh, capturing some of that growth and seeing our market share increase, not decrease. What are you hearing from Japan as far as the chances of us either getting back into some form of TPP or some kind of deal just between the U.S. and Japan? Well, I think uh, the Japanese uh, folks uh, have indicated a willingness to negotiate. Uh, They are, of course, interested in us joining uh, this comprehensive and progressive uh, TPP agreement. Uh, I think the administration prefers a bilateral arrangement. You've got the auto tariffs sort of hanging over all of this. So I think there's an incentive for Japan and for the U.S. to get to the table. And I think, frankly, it's, there's an incentive for the Japanese uh, to, to include uh, dairy and agriculture in those discussions because Japanese consumers are going to be faced either with shortages or higher prices uh, if Americans can't compete in these markets. Uh, the, the fact is New Zealand, uh, the EU, can't provide all of the demand uh, that the Japanese are going to need. Uh, so that means that there will be shortages or higher prices or both unless the United States gets a level playing field. And if it gets a level playing field, we anticipate that we could see a tripling uh, of of value in terms of of that market opportunity over the next 10 to 15 years. So there's a real opportunity for us to see a growth in market as opposed to uh, losing market share. And 
my hope is that the administration is, uh, stands firm and that this uh, consulting uh, report that we just put out today uh, will provide the ammunition and the information that will allow the uh, Japanese to see it's necessary to include agriculture in these discussions. We're talking with the president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack. Um, what are you watching for in these talks with China this week? Movement. Uh, some indication that we're not headed to uh, the abyss on March 1st, where if there is no movement and no progress, uh, additional tariffs could be assessed, which would ratchet up uh, this trade discussion and dispute. Uh, I'm hopeful uh, that what we see is the positive signs coming out of these uh, out of these discussions. Look, these are very difficult issues, and this is not going to get resolved in a couple of days' meetings in Washington, D.C. this week. But I think if we can see forward progress, if I think if we see some commitment on the part of the Chinese uh, to change their way of doing business, uh, to, to respond to the administration's concerns, then I think we can potentially see uh, the March 1 deadline come and go without an additional tariff increase, and perhaps uh, additional purchases, obviously, of agricultural products would be welcomed. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think the administration is right not only to want changes, but also to have an enforcement mechanism that enables us to hold the Chinese to any agreement that is reached. That's always been a problem with the Chinese. They, they reach an agreement, and then they come up with five reasons or ten reasons why they can't follow through with it. So uh, tough negotiations. Uh, before March 1. Are we moving much dairy into China right now? Not as much as we did the first part of 2018. Uh, we had overall uh, a record year in dairy exports, and China was on its way to having a really great year. Uh, and then the retaliatory tariffs were assessed, and, and that really made a difference in terms of what we sell. We're still selling a little product, but not anywhere near what we could have sold. Uh, and frankly, uh, we looked at about a 16, uh, 16% increase or 16% of our dairy production going into the export market, which was a record. It probably would have been close to 17% if we had kept on track with China. So these retaliatory tariffs have hurt. Um, you know, they're also an issue with reference to the ratification of the USMCA. Uh, the reality is I think Mexico and Canada are not interested in seeing a ratification of this agreement until those retaliatory tariffs have been lifted. American business and industry has been pretty clear about this. The administration's holding firm uh, to get whatever deal they're going to get on steel and aluminum, but I hope is my hope is that it doesn't really cloud the issue on ratification because that's another agreement that needs to get done. We we have a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of possibilities. Mike uh, could go either way on these trade discussions, and I think we need to see some wins and some forward progress here in 2019. I was just thinking about that. If this all fell into place, if USMCA passed and we get something resolved with China and we work out a deal with Japan, well, if all that came together, what's the potential there for U.S. dairy exports? Well, I think it helps us get sure that we want to reach, which is 20% of our production going into the export market, which I think over time would help stabilize and increase prices for our dairy producers. You know, they've gone through a tough stretch here, uh, and fortunately, the exports have, have probably mitigated some of the difficult times that would have been even more difficult, but for exports. Uh, but we need to see uh, continued growth in exports uh, because our farmers are really good at what they do. They produce more each year, and while we consume more in the country, we're not keeping pace with that level of production. Uh, so export markets become incredibly important, and we need growth. We need expansion. We need more product going into these export markets. And Agreements like the USMCA, agreements like uh, really, you know, resolving the China situation, uh, FDA with Japan, all of that would be positive forward movement, and I think we would see significant increase in, in sales. 
we're always looking for new markets. Are you uh, uh, seeing some uh, good potential in some other markets that maybe we don't talk about as much? Well, the reason why we had a, uh, a record year in large part was because of significant uh, sales in Southeast Asia. Uh, this is an area of, of the world that we often don't talk about and don't think about, but there are hundreds of millions of consumers there who are interested in dairy, uh, who are uh, you know enjoying cheese, enjoying ingredients on their snacks, uh, enjoying pizza, things of that nature. And we're seeing uh, rising middle classes in, in many of these countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand. Uh, where, uh, you know, urbanization of, of their of their uh, population, people interested in, in grab-and-go foods, uh, uh, focus on health and wellness, all of which play to the strengths of uh, of dairy, the, the nutritional value, the vitamins, the minerals that, that come with our, our dairy products. It, it really gives us an opportunity to, to, to grow in those markets. And we also have a great story in terms of the, the commitment to sustainability uh, that our farmers here in the U.S. Uh, are committed to. Uh, in terms of animal care and, and uh, greenhouse gas e- emission reductions and things of that nature. All of it is a positive story that allows us to, to market aggressively. And we're investing more in people and promotions and partnerships uh, to get the word out about U.S. dairy and, and sort of play catch-up. Um, many of our competitors have been in this business for 50 years. We've only been in it for 15 or 20 years. So we've got a little catch-up to do, but, but we're, com- we're gaining fast, um, and the world knows that uh, we have the capacity to produce more, and, and the world also knows that we're producing great products. We've uh, won uh, international awards for our cheeses recently, uh, which I think will help uh, uh, market U.S. cheese around the world. All right, good to talk with you as always, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking soon about some, uh, some trade uh, deals getting done. So we'll talk then. Thank you. Good to talk to you again. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care, Tom. Tom Vilsack, president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, former secretary of agriculture. So, you know, three biggies there. Get something done with Japan, get something worked out with China, get USMCA passed. But those are all three pretty big lifts. The the potential's there, but got to get get them all across the finish line. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Matt Reiners, vice president business development for Poet Nutrition about a a new corn oil product that is uh, being used by construction companies to modify or rejuvenate asphalt on roads. And uh, the potential for this, not only a good product for our roads, but also another market for uh, our corn. So we'll get the very latest on this new product and um, its potential. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay? 
isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For livestock at the Merck, we are firm and lean hog futures on this Wednesday. Limited plant runs are scheduled for Wednesday due to the danger of moving hogs by truck in sub-zero temperatures. Today's estimated hog slaughter at 261,000 head compared to 467,000 head a week ago. We are firm to 52 cents higher in lean hog futures. Narrow mix in nearby live cattle futures. February near unchanged at 126.45. March feeder cattle up a nickel at 144.30. Cash cattle markets expected to be fairly quiet today as feedlot managers focus on keeping their animals fed and healthy through the extreme weather conditions. Asking prices for the cash on a live basis will probably redevelop at 125 on this Wednesday. Dressed asking prices 200 to 203. For the grain and oil seed sector, we've seen mixed activity. Currently firm corn, soybeans, and in the wheats. The U.S. and China resuming high-level trade talks in Washington on Wednesday. March soybeans would need to rally through nearby resistance at 926 and a quarter to Reawaken the bulls, according to the Wired Talk. We've touched a high of 924 before backing off on this Wednesday. March corn up three and three quarters at 381. Since December 20th, that contract is consolidated between resistance around 384 and a half and support at 371, the low from January 15th. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is up. 253 points, S&P up 11, March crude oil in New York up 60 cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day, because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit? doesn't matter. No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, usually when we talk with folks at Poet, we're talking about ethanol, but this time we want to talk about a new corn oil product helping the roads. We're usually talking about fuel and the vehicles on the roads. Well, now we're talking about a product actually help the roads to help modify or rejuvenate asphalt on roads. Joining us now is Matt Reiners, Vice President of Business Development for Poet Nutrition. Matt, thanks for joining us. Tell us about this product. Well, Mike, thanks for having us on to speak this morning. It's an exciting product for us at Poet and uh, kind of a 
just another step in the innovation that we've been making here for almost 30 years now. So uh, it's, it's fun to talk about it. Um, what we've got is an asphalt rejuvenator. You talked about it perfectly. You, you, uh, you've got a road. You've got uh, the old asphalt that gets it gets weathered, it gets cracked, it gets damaged, and our product is uh, applied to that road once you rip it up and you're able to recycle as much as 100% of that roadway. So it's pretty exciting in that regard. Um, we're really able to go out there and save a lot of these smaller municipalities, counties, cities, and the like a lot of money on their road work because they're able to recycle that aggregate and recycle that road instead of having to pay for all new materials to be added in. Well, I'm thinking about it even more with the cold weather we're having right now throughout much of the country and the stress that puts on roads. Can that help? Can this product help with that? Yeah, that's actually one of the more unique characteristics of our corn oil product, uh, the Jive product, is that it actually reduces uh, the asphalt susceptibility to cracking. So it changes that elasticity or the ability of the asphalt to expand and contract. Uh, it also really makes it more, I guess, for lack of a better word, more of a rubbery-type compound so that when it is cold and it is brittle, it still has some flexibility to it so that it can take the weight of uh, heavy equipment such as, you know, 18-wheel semi-trucks and trailers and the like, uh, agricultural equipment, those types of things, and, and the road can still really uh, bear that, that, that weight load and, uh, and come out good in the spring. Why the name Jive? Well, we we uh, didn't have any other good names, I guess. That's <laughs> it. No, kidding. Uh, we we really wanted a name that people wouldn't forget. You know, you think about um, poet. That's a name people don't forget. Um, it really doesn't necessarily relate uh, just by a word to the ethanol business and to the types of things we do. But in a lot of ways, it uh, it really it, it describes what we do here. Uh, quite nicely jive is much the same for this product it, maybe it doesn't fit uh, the asphalt space by word but when you think about uh, kind of kind of wild and on the edges and the, you know the jive tunes and the like it just kind of fit for us um, so it, kind of a crazy name but again one that you'll never forget we have a lot of guys tell us that in the marketplace today it's like well well you know we're never gonna we're never gonna forget who you guys are with a crazy yeah. name like that so. <laughs> We're talking with Matt Reiner's Vice President of Business Development for Poet Nutrition. So this Jive is produced as a, a co-product of the biofuel process. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It's a, you had mentioned it's a, it's a portion of the corn oil stream that comes out of the back end of the plant after we separate the uh, non-ethanol liquids and solids, and we're able to isolate some unique molecules inside of that stream that really have wonderful functional properties uh, for use in the asphalt space. And so our technical team here at POET, uh, along with our plant operations and engineering teams, were able to develop some systems to really dial in our capture uh, mechanisms and our capture mechanics to make sure that we can, we can isolate and capture and purify this stream of material that really has all of this functionality inside of the asphalt space. So um, really kind of a cross-functional win across our entire organization. We've got a ton of people that worked on this deal to try to make this crazy idea happen. And companies have already been using it over the past year, uh, testing it out, using it. Uh, how those uh, tests gone? What are the results? Yeah, well, yeah, we've had uh, a lot of miles paved over the last really two years now um, between some trial trips and then some actual commercial work. And so far, so good. You know, we're really, with, with an asphalt road, it takes many years to really see the true, the true value of the road 
and the mixed design that went into that road. So we're probably maybe, say, three to five years away from really saying that, you know, that, that this is the, the cure-all for recycled asphalt. But we really feel confident based on what we're seeing right now that, that this stuff is performing extremely well. So, you know, kind of the next big check for us will be when we come out of this brutally cold weather and into the spring um, to see, you know, how those roads hold up. Uh, given all of the different stresses that they've received during that temperature swing from summer conditions to winter conditions. So, um, so far so good, but lots to learn on our end yet. How does Jive compare cost-wise as well as performance-wise with what the petroleum industry has been using? Yeah, so uh, Jive is a cheaper alternative, certainly, uh, and it's a renewable alternative. That's, That's one of the other great pieces of this product. Um, Performance-wise, we actually outperform most of the, well, all of the petrochemical hydrocarbons that are out there today that are in use. We've got a ton of side-by-side study work done with uh, the National Center for Asphalt Technology down at Auburn University and uh, several other um, third-party research organizations that, that are proving that point out day in and day out. And I think our customers are proving that day in and day out right now uh, with the performance that they're seeing with our product. But, you know, again, the, the real piece for us, the story that we love here is it's cost effective, it's green, it's renewable, and it's replacing those harmful carcinogenic petrocarbons that these guys are exposed to in the field today. And so really, you know, I don't care what the cost is, there's a ton of benefit outside of just that alone um, that these guys are getting by using this type of a product. Sounds like another battle with the oil industry, though. No, you can count on that. Yep. Yep, so kind of here we go again. But, you know, this shows, again, I was just, as you, was, you were describing this as a co-product of the, uh, the biofuel process, it's just amazing how far we have come from, uh, in the last several years with ethanol production, the byproducts, the other uses that are coming out of those plants, the, the, the new products that are being developed. Absolutely. You, you know, you look at the, the grind equation inside of an ethanol plant, and for a long, long time, it was ethanol is what we make, and then all this other stuff is just, you know, kind of the byproduct, if you will, the co-product, if you will. And I think as guys have really looked and taken a kind of an introspective view of their plants, I think everybody's now realizing that the real true opportunity to innovate in this space is with those co-products. There's just so many unique things that a kernel of corn provides us uh, that, that isn't just ethanol, right? We're just using the sugar, and so there's all of these other wonderful things left inside of a kernel of corn for us to innovate with. And so we've got uh, something in the range of like 80 scientists in our scientific team across the street. And this is all their job is, is they look at that kernel of corn and try to find cool new ways to use it, whether it's, uh, you know, an asphalt rejuvenator like this, or it's, uh, you know, some sort of even uh, clarified oil stream or something, anything, you name it. We're, We're always looking at ways to innovate with that kernel of corn. When you look at the amount of money that state and local governments spend on highway construction and maintenance, uh, I would think when you come in with a product like this that's at a lower cost than uh, its competitor, I would think uh, there's a tremendous market opportunity here because they're certainly looking at uh, wanting to save money and have a a product that's actually going to perform better and keep the roads lasting longer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, we've had a ton of state, local, county guys coming to us with that very message. Just, hey, look, 
you know, we're getting less and less tax dollars directed towards road infrastructure, yet the U.S. road infrastructure is in worse condition every year than it was in the previous, right? And so we're actually going backwards with our national infrastructure, and people are genuinely concerned. Uh, we, we can't continue to mine gravel and do all of those types of things and then, you know, add carcinogenic petrocarbons to the mix. We've got to find more sustainable ways to do this. And by, by recycling 100% of a roadway, there's really no more sustainable way to, to uh, provide high-quality transportation assets to our country than, than, than that exact principle. So that's really what we're working on with guys. Um, you know, we've got, we've, we're teaching guys how to use the product. They're teaching us how they're looking at it, you know, how every, every guy paves roads differently. Every climate is different, so we're all learning together. But at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is exactly what you mentioned, is our ability to, to, to fix the infrastructure at a lower cost and, and provide, you know, everybody in the U.S. with better road infrastructure overall. So as we mentioned several companies have tried it this past year. Are you going to get more use this year, does it look like? Do you have uh, people signed up to use it? Yeah, you know, I think we're, it's kind of we're in the hockey stick model now where, uh, you know, we started with some trial commitments for some guys. Um, you, look, you, you got to remember the these guys don't get uh, paid to, to take risk. Making a road is a very costly endeavor, and so – you know, the default is to do what you know works. And so it's it's not easy to convince them to uh, try something new and something out of the box like Jive is. And so we've had some guys put some small test trips down and some larger test trips, but by and large guys have, you know, mostly stuck to the to the test environment. We've had, a, uh, you know, some commercial jobs out east with some guys that were early adopters. But really this next paving season, this 2019 paving season, we have I, – I couldn't even – calculate how many miles of commercial work we're going to do it it's just been a huge success huge adoption already and we're not really even into the paving season so um i'm really optimistic that we're gonna we're gonna lay down a whole bunch of miles this summer with this product so it's very exciting for us well as you said it takes time to convince uh, the decision makers to try something new and i would think as a each year that goes by and you have more data uh, to show them and results to show them that'll make it easier that's exactly right. Nobody wants to be first, Mike, but everybody's yeah. happy to be second. So we've got plenty of guys that, that uh, stuck their necks out there and went first. And, you know, I think now, guys, to your point, they've got the data. They've seen it work in the field. They've got somebody they can call and ask, how do you do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and so they've really got all of the technical and functional pieces now together in that package that get a clear line of sight. And so these guys are now ready to really deploy this in mass across the U.S. And so we're really excited about about the project and about, uh, you know, really just the potential that we've got long-term here. Looking forward to watching uh, the progress of this. Uh, Matt, thanks for being with us to explain and tell us about this new product, Jive. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Matt Reiner is Vice President, Business Development for Poet Nutrition. Up next, we're going to talk with Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Stay with us here on AOA. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, 
publicity and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that has and sat in your lap in months, and even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff, even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5705. That's 1-800-829-5705. Again, 1-800-829-5705. My mom, a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction. Plus, the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. eighty over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. But the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 
150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we just heard about this uh, new product called Jive from uh, Poet. It's a corn oil-based product that... Uh, protects the asphalt on our roads and a lot of potential there this comes out of ethanol production very exciting another new use Uh, but let's talk now about ethanol itself and its use and um, we uh, continue to uh, try to get answers from Andrew Wheeler during his confirmation process uh, to be the full-time administrator of EPA the American Coalition for Ethanol urging uh, senators to make sure they press Andrew Wheeler and get some uh, definitive answers on some of his uh, RFS. Joining us now is the CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, Brian Jennings. Brian, thank you for joining us. You're kind of uh, keeping uh, Andrew Wheeler's feet to the fire and pushing the senators to do so, right? Mike, we're sure trying, um, and it's nothing personal against Andrew Wheeler. In fact, I think he's a fine human being, and he is a, a far superior choice to um, Scott Pruitt to lead EPA. I guess the message we're trying to send, however, to senators is that a confirmation vote is a terrible thing to waste. And they have some leverage right now over EPA that they may not have in a month from now after uh, Wheeler is confirmed. And so, gosh, use that leverage and try to get some um, proof or evidence from uh, Mr. Wheeler that he's going to get this RVP rule done on time so E15 can be sold starting June 1, and he's going to repair the damage that was done by his predecessor at EPA, Scott Pruitt, when it comes to all of these refinery waivers. And I know I may sound like a broken record to you and to some of your listeners, but um, I really feel like this is a moment in time where senators have some genuine leverage that, that they ought to use. Well, EPA, they're saying the right things about getting E15 ready for this summer. We'll see if their actions back up their words. But uh, Andrew Wheeler's words on handling the RFS and any reallocation or future granting of uh, waivers uh, to these refineries, uh, those words are not so encouraging that we've heard so far. That's right, Mike. He's been much more circumspect on the small refinery exemptions and what EPA may do differently under his leadership. Um, as you know, EPA is currently in sort of a timeout period where they are reevaluating the criteria they use to grant these exemptions to refiners. Um, they've also said we wouldn't learn a whole lot more about how many have been sought for 2018 or granted for 2018 until later in February. Um, and, and Wheeler has suggested that some court cases EPA lost in the past are part of the reason that they've had to hand these out. But to us, the law is really clear, and that is if, if you're a refinery and you get an exemption from the RFS, Mike, 
the biodiesel and ethanol that you were supposed to blend in your petroleum products needs to be reallocated to other refiners. For example, if I were a refiner, I'd have to pick up the slack from what you were allowed not to blend. And so we really need Wheeler to be more definitive about that because that undermines the entire RFS. And you and I have talked about this. That could wipe out any benefit of E15 year-round. And so it's really important. These, These two issues sort of go together when it comes to demand for renewable fuels. And we really need the uh, refinery issue to be addressed. That's a key point because on the surface, it would look like if you get E15 summer sales, uh, then they can say, well, look, you got that. So, uh, yeah, don't complain about the the the, uh, the waivers we're granting. I mean, you can't get everything. But as you said, if you don't, if they don't address this waiver issue, then really you haven't gained that much with the E15 sales. You haven't gained that much at all. And, it may sound like, gosh, these ethanol got, folks are, are very demanding. Um, all we really want, Mike, is for the law to be followed. Um, the law is really clear on the reallocation issue. And so, you know, I, I can't argue right now about whether 50 refineries should have gotten those exemptions or not because the, the criteria they've been using has been considered confidential business information. But even if they are legitimate waivers, the law says, hey, you've got to reallocate those gallons to the rest of the refiners. And, and EPA's refusal to do that really does undermine um, our confidence in you know, what, what the marketplace is going to look like in the future. And as a result, you see producers idling back right now. You see producers um, wondering if they're going to be able to continue to operate. And uh, that's not good for rural America. So you've sent a letter to senators uh, um, asking them to ask the tough questions, basically, of Andrew Wheeler. We have. We've asked the senators to say, hey, I need proof from you, Andy Wheeler, that you're going to get this RVP rule done by June 1st, and I need some proof from you that you're going to repair the damage done by these small refinery exemptions. We also make the suggestion that on the RVP rule, they should they should um, decouple it from these very controversial RIN reforms EPA plans to roll out because the refiners are going to want to fight each other over that, and it could sort of um, delay implementation of, of E15 if those two issues are tied. So um, a lot to unpack in that letter, but we just felt like we needed to get some things off our chest and, and let these senators know that they have some leverage that they should use between now and when uh, Mr. Wheeler is confirmed. Well, Mr. Wheeler is pretty good at answering questions uh, uh, Washington style without committing too much one way or the other, so we'll see, but hopefully they will indeed press him on these issues. I mean, it's expected his nomination will be confirmed, though, right? It really is, Mike. You know, the first step is in the Environment and Public Works Committee. That's going to be next week, Tuesday. Um, he only needs 11 votes in that committee, and I think he'll get that or maybe more. And then in the new the new rules, um, under the way Harry Reid did things when he was uh, majority leader in the Senate, um, these appointees only need 51 votes uh, in the Senate to move forward. Uh, Republicans, of course, hold a 53-seat uh, um, majority. I expect even a couple of Democrats are probably going to vote for Mr. Wheeler, and so... 
I'm not necessarily uh, suggesting he's in trouble, but but there's some leverage folks can use between now and, and these votes. All right, Brian, as always, good to talk with you. Take care. Thank you. Take care. All right. Coalition for Ethanol. All right, I'm off to New Orleans for the uh, National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention. We'll be broadcasting from there tomorrow and Friday. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.